0: Horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart,
1: racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's going to be another huge mungus Uh, week of racing for you. Uh, now as you recall, we reported last week that because of the wildfires, uh, out in, um, the West coast, uh, the air quality was so bad that they, they did not want to, you know, expose both humans and equine athletes to the elements. So, Everything's been moved back, and I'll run down the uh, stakes calendar there. It's going to be huge. And uh, uh, our guest, well, one had him on about a month ago when uh, we were talking about going in the Kentucky Derby. My friend Tommy Drury, trainer of art collector, that I believe right now is picked the second choice. Uh, Versus authentic in the Preakness stakes. Tommy's going to be with us because, uh, he certainly in the last few weeks has experienced the highs and lows of thoroughbred racing after winning, uh, the bluegrass and the Ellis park Derby, his horse art collector was sitting on go, had a great workout. What Tommy didn't know till the horse got back to the barn. He always checks him over from top to bottom that, uh, if you hold your hand out and feel that uh, the, the side underneath your thumb, uh, the, the, it's like a bulb, it got clipped with the back foot. And it started, you know, little inflammation, and you can give it anti inflammatories. The problem was this uh, even something as mild as an, uh, an uh, anti inflammatory is not allowed in a race like the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, Tommy said, well, there's other ways to quick fix it, but we're we're not going to do that. And can you imagine what it was like to call Churchill and say, I am scratching the second favorite (laughs) in the Kentucky Derby. Um, That had to be tough on Tommy. But since then, good news time. We're going to talk about how he's come back, how he's thriving, his most recent work at Churchill Downs, uh, which I saw. And uh, wow, Brian Hernandez, all he had to do was put out his little finger and art collector just kept grinding ground and grinding ground. And he looks so good. And then after you went past the finish line, it was like, He didn't want to stop. He wanted to run to downtown Louisville. I don't know who'd want to do that today. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, we're going to talk about his development and the excitement, what it's like getting ready for the Preakness now. And some of the changes that might have occurred at the training center and things like that. And then we're going to have just a lovable guy that's extremely talented behind the microphone. And that will be none other than the mellow fellow, Pete. Ilo will be with us. All right, let's take a look now at that uh, shakeup at uh, Santa Anita. The big one is going to be the Awesome again. Uh, that's bringing out the Star Attraction Maximum Security. It's a $300,000 race, but uh, certainly a huge uh, prep race for those uh, that want to get to the Breeders' Cup. And the Breeders' Cup Classic, winning your in is on the line here. Uh, So you've got... uh, maximum security who's just coming off a three-length win in the grade one Pacific Classic after winning the San Diego by a nose. Some people thought he'd lost a little bit of his luster, but that is certainly not the case. He will be reunited, and it feels so good, with Louis Sayas Interestingly enough, in this short field, his main competition might come from his own stable mate, Improbable. Improbable's coming off a two-race win skiing both of them grade ones Santa Anita Gold Cup and then shipped to Saratoga and took the prestigious Whitney two grade ones with 100 plus buyers. He's every bit as fit as maximum security. So uh improbable will probably be the biggest threat uh to maximum security. Uh it would be very interesting. So that's the, the first big in, the grade one, uh, awesome again, there at Santa Anita, uh, then we're going to have, uh, do have a nice race on Friday. It's the Eddie D stakes. Uh, that's for three and up five and a half on the turf. And it looks like chaos Th- theory is going for his third straight win after taking the green flash handicap at Del Mar. Uh, that was back on the 22nd. Then, uh, the, uh, that was the uh, Eddie Reed, and that's going to be a pretty sizable field. Now, that's going to be followed by the grade three Chillingsworth Stakes. Uh, Amuse, who's a lightly raced five-year-old for Hall of Famer, Richard Mandela, comes up a nice runner-up finish in the Rancho Bernardo. That's a grade three, and uh, she'll be one uh, to watch. The other ones you want to keep an eye out for, Unique Factor, uh, mother of dragons and into chocolate against that is the grade thrill three chillings worth. Then the American Pharaoh, uh, that's going to be on Saturday and uh, a, a small, but talented field for sure. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and uh, in here, it's a breeders cup winning are in and Baffert's going to have the expensive Spielberg, a million-dollar union rags colt, who has yet to break his maiden. But he, he ran second in the Del Mar Futurity to Dr. Shivel, who I don't see in this field. Um, so it will be interesting. Uh, again, anything with Baffert, even if it's a, a, a two-time starter, these are two-year-olds, of course. Um, now team merchants that's coming out of the, uh, uh, Doug O'Neill barn. Uh, he broke his maiden at Saratoga on a second, uh, uh, try last month. You want to keep an eye on him. Uh, these are going to be, and then there's the Rodeo drive stakes and, uh, this is a $300,000 a grade one, the Rodeo Drive. And uh, Del Mar Oaks winner Red Lark is expected to return in this Breeders' Cup winning your end race. It was the Ireland-bred Phillies' first win since breaking her maiden at Santa Anita in February. So uh, coming out of the Del Mar Oaks, I know that uh, my mother be betting this horse because she loves those Irish breads. Uh, let's see. Uh, continuing on. Uh, with the uh, races out at Santa Anita, it's going to be the 2020 Chandelier, uh, more two-year-olds. Uh, this time it's Phillies, and Bob Baffert, Princess Noor, boy, I've really been impressed with her racing. She's a possibility, undefeated in two starts of the Del Mar debutante. She is something else. Uh, then we got the uh, John Henry Turf Championship, Breeder Cup Turf contender. United looks to bounce back from a second-place finish uh, in the Del Mar Handicap on August 22nd, in that race. And then the Santa Anita Sprint Championship, that's a grade two. And Bing Crosby Stakes uh, winner, that was a grade one. Collusion Illusion is expected to seek his fourth straight win in this Breeders' Cup win and you're in. Then we've got a race named after the great mayor, Zenyatta. It's the final Breeders' Cup win and you're in race of the weekend. And Venetian Harbor looks to score after losing. To none other than Swiss Skydiver, Speech, and Gamine in her last three outs. That's some talent that this horse has finished behind, and we'll see if uh, uh, the uh, can't be an upset here or to get back in the winner's circle, I should say, for Venetian Harbor. Uh, again, all these races uh, are going to be at Santa Anita. There's a Tokyo City Cup mile and a half. That's a rarity. Uh, and it's expected to include Santa Anita handicap winner, combatant, and Argentinian import, Miranique, if I'm saying that correctly. Now, that's a whole lot of racing. And it's a whole lot of handicapping. So you're going to want to go uh to the easy win forms man we had a good day today with winning ponies easy win forms uh at Pimlico a $1 super key that paid 2170 Churchill Downs a uh race 2 it was a $10 super paid 2311 and at Belmont so the The easy win forms are winning all over. And these are all today's winners. Uh, A 50 cent pick five at Belmont paid over $1,600. So don't forget to pull those babies down. And let's see. Let's get on to some Preakness news. Uh, Tis the law is expected to, uh, to pass the Preakness and point for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, His connections just felt like he wasn't really training with vigor after running second in the Kentucky Derby, too authentic, and said, well, we'll just wait. And then uh, we still don't know about uh, Swiss Skydiver. McPeak is on the fence. Uh, She's working strong. She's looking good. But entries aren't tomorrow, so he said, what's the rush? Uh, We will... um, We'll uh, take our time, take a look at the field, see what happens. As you know, just ask Tommy things can happen just before the races and it might make his decision one way or the other. All right. Got about two minutes to squeeze in last week's uh, selections. I want to thank Eric wing for joining us and, uh, Woodbine Mile, million dollars a race, won two times by Wise Dan, won by Teppan. Many of these horses have gone on to win the the Breeders' Cup. And the winner in there was, wow, Starship Jubilee, seven-year-old mare, takes on the younger boys, the oldest horse ever to win the Woodbine Mile. And uh, this horse is just unbelievable, 19 wins from 38 starts, Starship Jubilee. Jubilee gets it done, and by the way, if you didn't know, folks, she is by an Ohio stallion, Indy Wind, that stands for two thousand dollars at Poplar Creek Farm, and then the Singspiel, uh, uh, that that was a good one. That went to count again at nine to one. Who got up by a length and a quarter over Sir Sahib, and uh, we also looked at the uh, Belmont Oaks Invitational. The winner in there, as I turn my page, uh, was, uh, let's see, Antoinette was second. Oh, Magic Attitude. Uh, Rated and last, put in a strong finish. Uh, Javier Castellano in the saddle. Real quick now, up at Woodbine on Sunday, it was the Summer Stakes. That's a win and you're in for the boys in the Juvenile Turf. And the winner in there was... None other than Gretzky the Great. Nyquist looks like he's going to be some kind of stud, ladies and gentlemen. Gretzky the Great pulled away. Came over late, but no big deal. There was no DQ. And then uh, on Sunday, also, it was the Lady Spite Spear taking the Grade 1 Natalma, a win in your in for the Juvenile Phillies turf. Second in there was. Alda, who rallied to get the second spot. All right, we just put 10 pounds in a 5-pound bag. Time to relax, take a little break, and we come back. One of my favorite people in the world of thoroughbred racing, none other than Tommy Drury. You're listening to
2: Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com stimulating
0: talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast
2: all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
0: you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show winning ponies with John Englehart
1: all right, back with Tommy Drury, who uh, was so nice to talk to us before the Kentucky Derby. Is giving us one more shot before he leaves here in oh about a week or so to head to uh, the Preakness Stakes. Uh, Tom, have you ever raced at Pimlico?
4: I've never been there, John. i uh, I spoke with uh, I spoke with uh, uh, you know a few people that have been there, and they they've all said that you know that they just go above and beyond as far as how they treat their horsemen and things of that nature. But, uh, but I've, I've never raced there myself.
1: Well, before we, uh, we, we, go on. Yeah. I, when I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago, I could just feel the uh, anxiety and the enthusiasm and the pleasure of getting to run under the twin spires on Derby day. Um, you just got to tell me Tom, what, what, what were your emotions when you bent down and and felt that front left hoof and realized, oh, man, we got a little bit of a nick down there and the swelling, and immediately it's like, well, let's relieve the horse uh, from any pain. Uh, describe to me that moment when you came out of the stall and realized, wow, this might mean we can't go in the derby.
4: You know, John, it's funny. It's, I've had a lot of people ask me that question, and you know, the truth be told, I, I think as a trainer, you you become a little bit desensitized to things like that because you deal with it on such a regular basis. Uh, you know, horses don't get in races. You know, you have an injury close to a race. You're uh, and and you know, I, it, it seems like as a trainer and dealing with the numbers that I deal with, we you know we have that happen a couple times a week. So. uh so it, 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 you know, it wasn't something that's new. It wasn't something we don't deal with. It, uh, you know, you try to treat things very matter of fact. And, you know, in this situation, it, it, it actually, you know, we, we knew the Preakness was coming right up behind it, and, and, uh, you know, we just immediately kind of focused our attention towards the Preakness and, and turned the page, and you know, it's time to time to think about the next one, and we, you know, we got to make sure we got him ready for that one. So. Uh, now, you know, had it happened at the, you know, the first of December when there was no races, you know, nothing to really speak of for a few months, then it, it certainly would have been a different ballgame. But, but knowing that we had the Preakness, you know, right in behind the Derby, it, it really, it was, it, you know, it, it stung. There's no question about that. But, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't nearly as bad as I think a lot of people might, might think. Um, and I explained to people at the top of the
1: show that an anti uh nothing more than a glorified aspirin and but still rules are rules and you're not allowed to have any in your system and uh you weren't going to try to take some uh you know shortcut uh to get them to the race and I think a lot of people admire you that for Tommy.
4: Well, you know you I, at the end of the day and and I I think I've said it before you know my the the most important job that I have as a horse trainer is you know i have to be the voice for the horse and i have to be the one to speak up for them when you know when something's not right or or they need a break or you know whatever whatever it might be and uh and there was you know i mean this is you know the i mean you you've got to be a 100% if you're going to run in the derby they you know you're talking about the best 3 year olds in the in the country and and uh, it it just wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been fair to him it wouldn't have been fair to bruce uh you know there was just there was just there it was kind of a no-brainer i mean it, it you know once we once we saw that he had grabbed himself and saw how sensitive that thing was at that point you know okay the derby's off the table how quickly can we get this thing fixed and can we make the next one and that's you know we just immediately uh immediately turned the page and and, and again we we started focusing on the freakness
1: um tabby uh, you, you know uh, uh I, I'm the guy that interviewed you and nobody wanted to interview you you told me one time and that's why you've been Absolutely. so gracious with Absolutely. your time. <laughs> but uh, what was it like cuz I've got a guess pre-derby especially pre-injury the, the media had to be descending upon
4: you was, was that a, a different thing for for you to go through? Oh, uh, it really was. It uh you know, it's certainly not something that we deal with on a regular basis by any means and uh you know, the thing of it was you know, I was talking to people all over the country. I mean, I, I, you know, I did a, a radio show in Vegas. I had a guy from California call. I mean, you know, all, literally all over the country, I was talking to to various reporters and whatnot, and 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 everybody kept telling me the same thing. They're like, you know, this is a quiet Derby year, and <laughs> it's like, it's like, man, I can only imagine. You know, where you know the typical Derby year where the backside's just flooded with people and press and cameras and things of that nature, and and uh yeah i mean I, I i was joking with everyone that i was getting to do the derby with my training wheels on and uh <laughs> it, and even even that way though john it was uh i mean we you know believe me we were it, it seemed like there was something going on every day. There was somebody we needed to talk to, and 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 you know whether it was to to do a story or a podcast or whatever it might be. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I've you know I've always wondered in the back of my mind what's it like to be Bob Baffert or, or one of those guys. And you know, for a few days there, I got to I got to live that life.
1: Well, I I, I listened to it all. You were doing a great job. It's probably from, probably from the training you got on winning ponies. I'm thinking.
4: Oh, there's no question, John. You had me well prepped, and uh, I, I, I absolutely owe that to you. There's no question. You 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 talked to me when nobody else knew who I was. Uh,
1: hey, have any of our old friends, like uh, is that uh, De- Destin Heath or uh, uh, the guy that looks like Telly Savalas there uh, on the backstretch at River Downs? Uh, have those guys been contacting you about any of the stuff that's been going on?
4: Well, I, you know, that guy that looked like Telly Savage, I, I just call blocked him. I I can't, I just can't deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, they, you know, they were all great. They, you know, uh, every, everybody, Destin, Heath, you know, he, of course, he's training at Windstar now. He's running the, the farm at Windstar. He was, you know, used to be my assistant. He, he, he sent a really kind text message and, uh, Doug Cowan's, uh, you know, Telly, he, he reached out to me, and uh, I, you know, I, I, if nothing else, I know uh, I know I've been blessed with some really good friends. Uh, they, you know, they were all very kind and reaching out and sending nice messages and whatnot. And, you know, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, they've all been in the same situation that I was in. And, uh, you know, what do you say? We've all we've all been there. And you, you, you know, you just in this situation, you're just glad it wasn't something more serious, and that you're going to live to fight another day. Well,
1: and the people you just mentioned, great guys. You always surrounded yourself with good people. Now, we're going to start to talk about Art Collector. And I have to tell you, I watched his last work, and it's as if he was reading uh, Brian's mind cuz Brian wasn't asking him to do anything. I was watching his hands, I was watching his back, his knees. He was just he just sat there, chilly, not really in a crouch position. And it's like our collector just started to pick it up, started to pick it up. I saw when when, when he came around the turn, he didn't go wide. He was you know, he, he he stayed pretty much close to the rail. He changed leads fluidly, but then things only got better Tom, in my eyes. And what do I know? But he just seemed to get a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. And when he passed under the finish line, it looked like he thought, oh, now it's time to start to run because he went around that turn as fast as anybody I've ever seen.
4: Yeah, he, and well, I, I just want you to know, I, I, to say that, that him and Brian are thinking alike, I find that a little scary for my horse, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, ev- everything that we did that morning, it was kind of by design. We, uh, you know, we had talked, uh, you know, Brian and I had talked at great lengths before the work and we kind you know, we were obviously a little further between races than we wanted to be. We knew that, you know we needed to do enough uh we you know without overdoing it, but we needed to do enough and you know the the primary- the primary goal was you know where we 're guessing he's going to go five somewhere between fifty nine and a minute, but we wanted to see him gallop on out around that turn back to the three quarter pole, and then if he was good, continue on down the backside and uh and that 's exactly what he did i had him I had him from the wire to the uh three quarter pole and twenty four and change. And uh I you know, I just I, I just don't think you could ask for any better. He came back, he took one big breath and pulled out fine and everything seems to be in good order. So I, I think we're ready to take our best shot with him.
1: Yeah, it, it was impressive.
4: I mean, And it's not
1: like Brian had to really struggle to pull him up or get an outrider to get him. Uh, he kind of took his cue, but it was after he was down the backstretch, as you say. I mean, you know, he didn't fight him at all. He got a lot out of that work. So what are your plans in the next week and a half as uh, you're finally going to put him on a van and, and go to Pimlico? What, what do you got planned for our collector?
4: You know, you know, Trisby told, we're kind of back on a maintenance program now. I feel like he got enough out of the work the other day. You know, he, we, we got what we were looking for with that one where we're two weeks out. You know, you're going to come back this weekend and let him do, uh, I haven't decided yet. It'll either be kind of a maintenance half out, out five eighths or maybe even a maintenance five eighths. We'll, you know, we'll make that decision when we get a little closer, but, uh, You know, really from here on out, I mean, you're, you know, you feel like your horse is fit. He's ready to run. So now you're, you're, you're kind of back to back to just trying to stay out of his way and just kind of a normal maintenance routine from here on out. So the plane is supposed to leave on Tuesday and, you know, if everything goes okay this weekend, hopefully he'll be on it. Oh, so I, I, for
1: some reason I thought, you you know, uh, a good old boy that you are, you might've just thrown him out of van and brought
4: him there. He's going to be flying in, huh? Oh, John, John, we're big time now. That's, that's how we travel. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be in first class. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's going first class. I, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I thankfully I have the lifelines that I have. I've been able, I've never flown a horse before. So, you know, I've been able to kind of reach out to some guys that i work for Al Stahl. I discussed it with him, uh, Neil Howard and I had a conversation today at Churchill about it and, uh, you know fortunately some of these guys that i work for at the training center they've done this a million times and 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 they've been kind enough to to offer details and things of that nature so it's uh you know i'm pretty comfortable with it it sounds like he's going to leave uh around lunchtime on tuesday he'll be he'll be in a stall at pimlico by feed time that afternoon and it really won't be that big a deal um you know obviously the next morning wednesday morning he'll train at pimlico and and I, I don't foresee us doing a lot once we get there. It'd be, you know, you're just kind, kind of keeping him keeping him moving around a little bit, maybe school in the paddock once and lead him over there and running.
1: him. Um, now, I want to talk about our collector. I mean, I know it wasn't Derby Week and you didn't have hundreds of people, you know, crowding around the stall, but he had to be getting a little more attention than he was ever getting. And I know that you had visitors, uh, you know, from the media at, at your skylight training center um has he you know
4: reacted to the the attention or is it just another day for that guy? you know i will tell you john he 's such a classy individual he 's one of those that uh you know we when you 're heading to the racetrack with him in the mornings it 's like walk three steps and then he stops and pricks his ears and kind of checks everything out and you know, then you get him to walk off three more steps and he stops and pricks his ears and checks everything out. And he's just you know, he he he's really such a classy individual and he's been great as far as seems like he kind of enjoys the attention and you know, we've had some kids out to to see him and whatnot and get their picture with him and things of that nature and uh, you know, he's you know, for being a three year old Colt, he's he's just a very, very kind horse. He's very well mannered, he's very easy to be around. Uh, you know, my 16 year old daughter was grazing him the other day. Uh, you know, of course she, she's obviously a horse person herself, Right. uh, but I had no problems, you know, putting him in her hands and, and, uh, just, you know, he's just, he's just, he's just a pleasure to work with. And that as a trainer, that makes your job so much easier because, you know, he's a horse that, you know, he kind of takes his racetrack with him. He takes that same mentality with him. And, you know, he's not one of those that's going to throw a lot of curveballs at you. He's he's going to be pretty true to form. Well, that is great. I, I tell you. So, somebody
1: else has been cool, common, and collected, and is in your corner. Uh, he was the cover story of the Blood Horse last week, uh, was uh, Bruce Lunsford. Uh, he just seems so pleased with the horse, with his relationship with you. I, I think he said he'd treat you like a son of his. Um, that's got to be pretty cool to have his support. He wasn't second guessing you on the injury or anything like that or scratching the horse from the
4: Derby. That's also got to ease your mind a little bit. You know, I tell you, I, I I hated it for Bruce more than anything, just because he had been so kind to us. Uh, you know, he's or he's been so kind to us throughout this whole ride. But uh, I, I he you know he, he one thing I've learned from Bruce over the years is you know you always turn your negatives into positives, and 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 that was exactly what he said. He said, "Okay, you know." It, uh, we're going to miss the Derby, but we're going to go to the Preakness and we're going to be fresh for the Breeders' Cup. And, you know, and I mean, he, he just immediately turned the page and moved on. And, uh, and I think over the years having horses for him, I, I, I've i kind of learned that mentality from him. So uh, uh, as far as the opportunity he's given me with this horse, I, you know, I mean, what, what do you say? I mean, I'm still trying to find the words to describe it. He's, he's given me the opportunity of a lifetime. He could have sent this horse to anybody in the country and, he chose me and uh it's 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 absolutely been life-changing for me so uh so i, I just you know gosh i you know I'd, i you you just struggle trying to find the words to even describe how it makes you feel now as we know uh <clears throat> for
1: reasons we you know uh aren't happy about uh there's a lot of civil unrest in in Louisville right now uh so what's your schedule
4: in the morning because as i understand art collectors at churchill correct he is he's at churchill right now we haven't had any issues at churchill at all uh you know it's just uh it's very unfortunate what's going on in louisville right now and you know and it it really doesn't matter which side you're on Uh, i think the biggest majority of the people are are somewhere in the middle and they see things from both sides and and they feel bad from both sides but it's uh you know, it's been a little tough going in the city and, you know, you just, you just try to say a prayer every night and hope that we can, we can get past this and that, uh, you know, that, 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 maybe we can start to see some more positive changes rather than, than what we've been seeing recently. But as far as Churchill's concerned, they've, you know, they've done a fantastic job of making sure that the backside's locked down and that everybody's safe. And I have no worries about, you know, having my horse there or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we really, we really haven't had any issues at all with that.
1: But from what I understand, Tom, you're kind of like a thief in the night. I mean, you get there before the sun comes up because you do have a string of horses there. But then you got to get back to the horses you've got uh, at Skylight Training Center. How's your daily schedule work?
4: It's it. It can get a little crazy. Uh, you know, we start at Churchill. Uh, you know, normally the first set goes about five fifteen at Churchill and. And uh that you know, I I'm usually able to catch the first two or three at Churchill and kinda check in on the barn and get the training chart nature and then uh you know, usually mid morning at Churchill I'll duck out and head towards Skylight and that allows me to catch the you know, the last three fourths of the horses at Skylight and you know, about the time you get finished with that it's time to start thinking about the races that afternoon. So it uh you know, we've had some long days but uh you know, this is this is I'm loving it. I mean, this is this is what you know, this is what I've always wanted to do. And and uh, to be able to have have horses at Churchill and to to have a horse like Art Collector, you know, among those horses, it's uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Well, as you know, you certainly know more than any, uh, anything can happen leading up to a big race. And we see that, uh, you know, Tis the Law just uh, wasn't really in the bit when he got back to Belmont after the Derby. So, uh, that, that that's, that's one big bear, uh, that y- you won't have to contend with. And, uh, uh, Kenny McPeak still hasn't decided on Swiss skydiver though. He's probably waiting to see if you're changing your mind <laughs> because, uh, you, you know, uh, you looked awful good beating Swiss skydiver, uh, in the bluegrass. So, you know, there's different things that can happen and you know, I mean, there's, there's, uh, One we don't know about, but we do know that Tis the Law won't be there. And uh, I understand Authentic is still looking pretty good in the mornings, too.
4: Yeah, Authentic's doing well. I mean, his Breeze, you know, it's funny. uh, I I felt like just, you know, from my point of view, I felt like Art Collector and Tis... uh, I'm sorry, Authentic, I I, I felt like his and Art Collector's Breeze's were were very similar the other day. You know, they were very, very close within their time. They they both kind of worked the same way. They just... You know, nice long hold and just kind of cruised around there. I think we were in a situation where we needed to do a little bit more than they did because they were coming off of a race. Uh, some people, <clears throat> excuse me, some people have said that you know our gallop out was a little better and this, that, and the other. But I think that was more by design. You know, if I was if I'd have ran in the Derby, then my instruction to Brian would have been, "Hey, we just ran a mile and a quarter. We don't need much. Let's just let him right. cruise along." You know, don't worry about galloping out a whole lot. I, I don't know that I, I really make a whole lot of that. I think, you know, you had two nice horses Breeze that morning. They both did exactly what they were supposed to do. And I would guess that Bob Backridge as high on his horse right now as I am mine
1: well tommy drury it has been a pleasure uh, not only speaking you w- with you but you know w- w- watching this whole scenario uh unveil itself and uh, you know there's a whole lot of
4: little guys that are going to be in your corner when they open the gates down there at pimlico well i sure appreciate you having me john and and uh as i said i i'd I don't know that I'd be here without you, John. You might have been the one to put me on the map. So uh, (laughs) I I think I might owe this all to you. (laughs) Uh, Well, feel free after you win the Preakness
1: to say that on national TV, okay? (laughs) Yes, sir. We'll do it. (laughs) Everybody will be scratching their head and they'll say, who the hell is
3: that guy? (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, Tommy. Well, I'm going to let you go now. Thanks a million. And uh, we're wishing you all the world. And we'll be rooting for you. I'll try not to ride him too hard because you know there's animal cruelty laws Out there, and me being on a horse's (laughs) back is just not right. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. (laughs) All right. That's Tommy Drury. I met him many, many years ago at a little old beautiful track by the name of River Downs, where I met our next guest. Actually, I met him uh, out in Arizona, but I got to work with him at Little Old River Downs, and now he's reached the heights of race calling. The mellow fellow, the Mound of sound, none other than the voice of Gulfstream Park, Pete Aiello. We'll be right back.
2: The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Winning Ponies with John Inglehart.
1: All right. Well, a lot of times uh, when there's huge races down at Gulfstream Park, I, I, I feel bad calling Pete because I know he's supposed to go to some of these dinners and things like that. Sometimes he can do it. Sometimes he can't. So I thought I'd take a stab on Florida Sire Day and, uh, Got the call right back, you know, and uh, as a matter of fact, he says, as a matter of fact, my dad was just asking if you ever stay in touch with John Englehart and Pete Aiello, I'm glad you do. It was really scary, John. First of all, good evening and great to talk to you, but
5: it wasn't 10 seconds after we were talking about John Englehart that I looked down at my phone
1: and saw the text messages from from you. It was really (laughs) freaky in a cool way. Well, I forgot to send you that last text. All of a sudden, I looked down when I went to contact you tonight, and I'm like, "Oh, I never sent this thing to Pete about you know the dream I had and stuff." So, yeah, a lot of weird stuff's been happening. But it's 2020. This year's going to go down as an amazing one.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just lucky that uh, I've weathered the storm pretty well. You know, we we were pretty much the only racetrack that hasn't had a stoppage since uh,
1: March. Well, you know, as I mentioned in the bio I wrote for you for our, our uh, tease on the website, um, <clears throat> you know, as, as much as I stood side by side you by you for many years, um, <clears throat> the last couple of months have been like I was back in the announcer's booth standing behind you. Um, it's like, and now let's go to Pete Aiello. I mean, it's really great. Uh, it's well there's a lot of things bad about this year but it's great that when all these people were saying gee there's no live sports it would piss me off to say hell yeah there's live sports turn on fox sports turn on tvg and it 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 just seems i i would say you know eight out of ten times when i turn it on there's the voice of pete ielo so yeah, you and racing are getting more exposure than we ever have in our life i think
5: yeah i definitely think that that's true and it's uh it's surreal, you know, because I know I I never I never thought I would be playing the game at as high a level as I'm playing it. And that's just the most concise way I can say it. And um, I miss uh, I miss the days coming up the ranks. I really and truly do. But even then, I still never thought that where I would where I'm at now is where I would be. It never seemed attainable to me. I always figured I'd play in the minor leagues and that would be fine because I love the game and just
1: being part of the game is enough for me. You do. And, uh, I got my time right. Uh, right. Uh, you and Tommy Drury were at river downs at the same time. Yeah, we sure were.
5: I, uh, there's an infamous story that Tommy loves, loves me to tease him about to this day. And I certainly love teasing him about it. He had a horse, uh, named Peyton's pistol that was in a race that was supposed to go on the turf and ended up coming off the turf. And, um, I said to him before the race, I said, if this horse gets beat, you should turn in your trainer's license. And he laughed, and and I said, I'm just letting you know, if this horse gets beat, I'm going to be real mean to you on the air. He goes, well, that's fine. He goes, I'm one to nine. I deserve it. So, sure enough, Peyton's pistol turns for home on top and gets a little tired late. And uh, I couldn't help myself. I said, Peyton's pistol has officially run out of training. And Tommy says (laughs) to this day, that's one of the funniest things anyone's ever said about his horses.
4: (laughs)
1: I love it. Well, those those were, uh, you know, uh, not, not that we're uh, getting old and standing on the lawn shaking our fist at the moon, but, you know, racing was so much fun back there. You know, we, we had uh, unsanctioned events uh, like the Denny Moore, you know, chicken fry. I mean, what I remember blast, I went to like the that. very
5: last one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I- I mean, and uh, it just... the walk of
5: Al also is something I really wish that fans could uh, could go back and re- re- relive, myself included, because I that, I loved that. And for the benefit of your listeners who have absolutely no idea what we're talking right. about, we had Tell a camera, cameraman on the inside of the uh, of the tote board that would take the walk from the infield to the apron um, during you know, during the day, and me and the TV guys decided that we were going to. We were going to roast him and troll him every time. And so Dave Albany, the Pen Man would film him walking and I would click the mic on and I would make something up about, you know, he's, uh, he's Southern Ohio's oldest, you know, veteran that, uh, you know, has lived in Cincinnati for more than 55 years. He's 92 years old. I would just make stuff up. And it ended up being hysterical because people believed what I was saying. So they thought that this was like a cult hero that was working at River Downs. Of course, we made all of it up. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The walk of L. I love that. Well, after a while he embraced it, you know, he'd look up at the yeah. camera, give everybody a hidey ho with his hand, you know, and you know, it was just like stuff like that, that, that we did. And, you know, Ed Meyer was our marketing guy back then had a lot of chuckles with him. Uh, it, it was fun. And, uh, and actually pretty low pressure at the time, even though with your past history, it was one of the better tracks you would call that during your career. Well, it was the
5: very first one that I was ever employed full-time at. So to me, it was a very, very big deal. And it was, you know, looking back on it now, especially with, you know, the advent of some social media folks that love it when I say easy money, you know, the, the, the genesis of that phrase was at River Downs, where I was looking for something to say. And, you know, I was literally just kind of honing my craft, so to speak, and just trying to See what works and what doesn't work. And fortunately, Cincinnati was a perfect place to do that. Um, to this day, I've never been in a better announcer's booth. And I'm sure you're smiling when you hear me say that because there's so much significance personally to you as far as that goes. But um, I miss my days in Cincinnati. I
1: had a ton of fun there. Well, you know, it, w- what's fun for me, Pete, is watching your evolution. Not that you ever sucked, but watching you i remember in the beginning you were always trying to fit 10 pounds in a five pound sack and i think i would take a sticky sheet and put it up there and say slow down just slow down you know but you were you were so excited and so enthused which is great because you haven't lost that but you've reined it in a little bit and i think what you do now as concise as you are pete i love the way you Paint a picture of the race, and you always keep a, a, an eye out for uh, you, the, the, the hot horse or or the favorite, because you know a lot of people have bet on this horse, and they want to know you know where the hell is chewy slow and right and you're always good about doing that but it's not about uh you, you know social equality is first chess's dream is second gatsby's third breeze on by you you, be, you begin to say you know so and so is finally uh finding his expected stride and things like that that handicappers take into account like when's his horse going to fire uh, i'm just pulling that out of out of a hat uh but it, it's it's really great how how you've developed this uh, uh, painter like quality uh, to your race calls. Well, and you know something again, not to not to continue to to preach on the same note, but being in
5: Cincinnati helped me do that a, in a very large way because you know I, I got to I got to get confident in what I was watching. I mean, and that's one of the things that. Um, you know you you know me on a personal level, so you know that I'm not really one of those guys with a huge ego or anything. But the one thing I do pride myself on is I know what I'm watching. Um, and a lot of that comes from my experience in the industry, but a lot of that also comes from being a fan. I was a fan first. I'm still a fan. So when you approach things from a fan perspective, uh, it doesn't really surprise anybody that the fans will like that. Because, you know, I'm just another one of them as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, I must say that the guys at uh, you know at TVG or Fox Sports, whatever stage you happen to be on, all treat you very well, and you, you hear their voice. Now let's go up and listen to the voice of Pete Iello, which I love. But while I got you on, I got a lot of people that handicap, and this is a big day for the Florida people uh, coming up on Saturday. Two $400,000 races for two-year-olds. So I'm going to have to lean on you, my friend, because you've had the chance to watch a lot of these run. So g- give us your uh, you know, you, the horses to watch in uh, the boys' version, uh, which is the Florida Sire In Reality Stakes. Uh, it, it looks like breeze on by. It's, it's going to be awful hard for a horse to breeze on by. This horse has never taken a bad step unless... Stretching out's gonna gonna hurt him.
5: Yeah, and I I you know, um the thing about it is is that he's he he's the key storyline to the whole day because there's no sweep of the series possible on the Philly side. Uh, but he of course has won both of his legs. And it's what's interesting is, is that, you know, Ralph Nix, who bringing this conversation full circle is a good friend of Tommy Drury. Ralph Nix has, has really been high on a lot of his horses, including Cezanne, who's, who's in that race, uh, on Saturday against Breeze on by. And I don't know, Ralph is a tough guy to read, but what we all want to know is can this horse carry his speed as far as he needs to two turns. He's never been two turns before. And I think that season's in there for a reason, because I think he's confident in his ability to get around a little bit better than breeze on by all the while, acknowledging that breeze on by is the most talented horse in the race. Uh,
1: now the thing is you don't have to be a Florida bred, but as I look at these races, I know they're by Florida sires. it, it, it looks like overwhelmingly the the fields are full of, you know, Florida breads, uh, by obviously Florida stallions. Um, was, is there anybody I'm missing in this race that, that, that could, could be a surprise. In the boy division, I don't think so. I think the Philly division
5: is a heck of a lot more intriguing. I mean, the boy division is going to be, you know, to, to borrow a phrase that you used to use all the time, will breeze on by stub his toe. If he stubs his toe, then the waist becomes wide open. But just purely on what we know and what has been established on form to this point, you know, he's going to be one of those horses that is going to be a very, very hard horse to catch. I don't know. I think he has to beat himself, as as, as I guess what I'm saying. Um, Now, the configuration of the first finish line course at a mile and a 16th lends itself to his running style, too. So he's going to be given every opportunity to get the sweep, and I hope from a Florida racing per fan perspective, I hope he does it. It hasn't been done since three rules did it in 2016.
1: Well, let's talk, let's talk about the girls and also the configuration of ghostring because, um, y- you start kind of close to the turn. Uh, but, uh, I, I assume, they finish at the regular finish line or is that like Keeneland where you got to no, of them? It's
5: a first finish line since we're a mile and an eighth oval. If we started a mile and a 16th, uh, it would be pretty much right into the first turn, giving a huge disadvantage to anyone drawn on the outside. So we have a first finish line, um, to configuration for a mile and a 16th. So they start at the mile and an eighth starting point and They just finish a 16th of a mile sooner.
1: Well, uh, I'm, I'm seeing uh, one of the girls that just missed being able to sw- uh, sweep it, and that would be Princess Secret, who, uh, shall we say, stubbed her toe in uh, the Desert Vixen uh, to uh, go Jojo go who's going to be a foe in this race.
5: Yeah, and, and, you know, watching, you know, us watching that race, and myself and Ron Nicoletti and Jason Blewett, we, you know, we weren't real sure going into the second leg after Princess Secret lost to gojo go who was a maiden at the time, um, you know. Would she bounce back, especially with the added real estate? And I know that you know, there were some serious questions about her getting the 7-8. So obviously the same questions are being raised and probably a little bit louder as to whether she can get the two turns. Um, you know, she deserves to be a lukewarm favorite, and she is. Um, but, the, you know, the horse that's intriguing, John, and the horse that if you want to watch a race and just go, wow, is the Ralph Nix horse in the race. Is her, is her name Big Rings? Because that is an aptly uh, aptly named um, scenario. She is huge. And when I say huge, I'm not one for being able to spot horses out in the field and tell you about their confirmation and things like that. So if I'm noticing it, it's it's pretty severe.
1: <laughs> well, she's by a stallion by the name of the Big Beast, who I assume is appropriately named. <laughs> Yeah, well and you know, if you go
5: back and watch her maiden race, I mean it's amazing to me that if you watch her visually and I took all the graphics down and I said, Okay, watch this and you watch the race and then I said, Wanna hear something interesting and you said, What's that? I said, That's a two year old. I guarantee you, an eight out of ten even you know, grizzled horse players would go, Wait, that's a two year old? She's huge So I, as I as I joked with Ralph, if
1: she if she keeps growing, we're gonna need a bigger gate. and she's a philly you know so it sounds to me like she's bigger than most of the boys yeah she she definitely is and i think that um you know
5: it's a it's a big ask to go from a maiden allow a maiden special weight win to a four hundred thousand dollar stake and to go from one turn to two turns doing it and so she's going to be asked a lot of questions that we don't know the answers to but uh her maiden win was awfully impressive
1: well, what, what what should we know about O Deborah, who uh, bested uh, Go Jo Jo Go in uh, the last start? Because uh, you know this looks like it's a horse that, uh, you, again, Ralph Nix, you know, could uh, get the job done in here. You know, I mean, a lot of these well, horses he... are only running their third race of their career. Well, and the thing about um
5: of about o was that she got a pretty um lackluster figure when she broke her maiden. But the barn, the, uh, Ralph's assistant, Sonny, is a good friend of uh, the head of our video crew. So, you know, we kind of get the, the steam on Ralph's horses. The barn was really, really high on O'Debra going into that last race. And from what I understand, she's trained better coming out of that race than she did going into it. And they were high on her then. So uh, I, I certainly think that she's a horse that has a huge chance. The question that I want to know is, is where, what do the barns think of, of their other horse for bell racing, Big Rings, versus O'Debra? If there was only one from the Ralph Nicks barn, I would have my answer, but there's two. So now I don't know who do they like better.
1: <laughs> well pete thanks a million for your input want to point everybody to uh you know uh you turn on your signal wherever you are whatever track you are uh and uh watch Gulfstream this week i i only uh, picked a couple of races because there's so many good ones pete aiello thanks so much for joining us it was a great uh re- renewing uh conversation with you and uh reflecting on the past because those were fun days pete
5: they certainly were. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, John. Thanks for having me on. All
1: right. Two great guys, Pete Iello and Tommy Drury. Uh, it was great to watch them develop and see them now at the top of their game. Want to thank you again, Winning Ponies. We had three huge winners today busy, busy weekend between Gulfstream and Santa Anita. Pull down the easy win forms at Winning Ponies. I'm John Englehart. Thanks for listening. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.